As we uh, look together to the Lord, our scripture memory is Proverbs 23, verses 15 and 16. My son, if your heart be wise, is wise, my own heart also will be glad. And my inmost being will rejoice when your lips speak what is right. Um, Out of the heart comes the abundance of the mouth. Out of the heart comes the abundance of the mouth. And so when lips speak what is right, that's a reflection of the heart. And so we rejoice when God makes us wise of heart and uh, makes us uh, to be joyous in our hearts because of the wisdom in, that we see in others. My son, if your heart is wise, my own heart will also will be glad. And my innermost being will rejoice when your lips speak what is right. Uh, Proverbs 23, verses 15 and 16. We're focusing this day on the holy, holy, holy God. Might we bow as we begin this morning and look to our God in prayer. Let's bow before our holy God. Lord, it is to you that we come. We who are unholy sinners, your word burns in our hearts and we recognize that we are not all that you call us to be. Not only are we imperfect, but we transgress your law and your commands. Oh Lord, we thank you for your forgiveness that is had in Christ. We pray that as you are holy, you might work by your spirit to make us more and more into the image of our holy Savior. I pray, Lord, that you would bless this day as we look to you in worship. Uh, As I have prayed, might you work your word in our lives. Might it be an encouragement to us. Might it prick and prod us as you would desire. Might you get the glory as we devote ourselves to you. Lord, we thank you for your kindness in answering prayer in weeks past. Even this past week, we've rejoiced to hear of McKenna doing well in the aftermath of her heart surgery. We thank you for Josh Straub and the recovery that he is undergoing. We thank you that Rochelle can be with us today. Lord, for those who are absent from us because of physical hardship or sickness, we pray that you might restore and strengthen them, even that they might be joined with us again. We thank you that we can look forward to remembering Christ's sacrifice that by the holiness that he provides us, we can come into your presence with awe and fear and rejoicing. Lord, I pray that you would bless as we rejoice to, in yet one more way, resume some normalcy. Lord, we think of those who are stranded from what is normal, because of fires, 
We care, Lord, for those whom you have created, and we pray that you might even preserve lives. Lord, preserve property. Might you be kind in helping, uh, even in the fighting of those fires. I pray, Lord, that the physical fires would remind us of, and others, remind us and others of the eternal fire of judgment. We do not have personal experience with fire in many cases in our life, and so we pray that uh, even these rare cases that we see it doing such ravaging damage that we would be reminded of your judgment to come. Lord, we thank you that Christ has shielded us from that judgment that his holiness is ours because of your kind gift of your son. And we pray now that you would bless our worship as we look to you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Psalm 13, as we begin, Psalm 13, let us read responsively, Psalm 13. Psalm 13, for the choir director, a psalm of David. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart all the day? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Enlighten my eyes, for I will sleep the sleep of death, and my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my adversaries will rejoice when I am shaken. But I have trusted in your loving kindness. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, because he has helped not with me. Amen. As we sing to the Lord the blue hymnal, I invite you to turn in the Psalms to Psalm 100, the, the Psalter in the back, Psalm 100. And we'll stand together as we sing, all people that on earth do dwell. Psalm 100. Oh, that 
remaining standing as you're able, hymn number three, the other side of the hymnal, hymn number three, holy, holy, holy. And we'll sing the last verse, a cappella, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Holy God in Isaiah chapter 6, our scripture reading for this morning, Isaiah chapter 6, and those first five verses. 
Isaiah 6, 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. As we pray together in response to this, I just want to point out that we know not only from our theology of God indirectly, but also explicitly the Apostle John tells us in John twelve forty two that the one that Isaiah was seeing here was actually the Lord Jesus Christ. Savior and Lord. Let's pray. Lord, the Holy God before whom Isaiah trembles as you, our Lord and Savior. Lord, we rejoice that you are worthy of worship and to think that you have made us worthy to come before you in whose presence the cherubim even themselves, the seraphim, the angels, shield themselves. Or might the greatness of your holiness and your perfection, might it be heavy upon our hearts that you might change us more and more into the holiness that you have for us. I pray your blessing as we continue to sing in joy of who you are. We pray in the name of the thrice holy one. Amen. As we continue in song, we're taking the handout. Holy God, we praise thy name.
And we'll do a lot of standing today. So as you're able, we'll stand. Holy God, we praise thy name. at this time to come forward for this morning's offering. And if you'd like to follow along with the offertory, it's number 18 in the blue. Thou the God who changes never, 18 in the blue. Let us look to our God yet again in prayer. 
Lord, we thank you that your holiness is not fleeting. As you are undivided, so your character is unchanging. We rejoice, we sing in praise, we worship and adore. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. As we continue in praise, the gray hymnal, Holy Trinity, number four in the gray, number four in the gray, Holy Trinity. Holy Trinity, thanks and praise to Number 52 in the gray. Again, I ask you if you stand as you're able. Hymn number 52. Let the whole creation cry glory to the Lord on high. Hymn number 52.
Let the whole creation cry, glory to the Lord on high. this week and the plan is to finish and conclude uh, next week. We have been looking to this book nestled between the two Z's in the Old Testament, Zephaniah and Zechariah. And as we've been looking to this book, we've noted that this book fits squarely into the scheme of uh, Israel's history, as do all of the uh, all of the Old Testament prophets, and this particular book comes not under the world dominion of uh, Assyria or Babylon, but rather under the world dominion of Persia. And again and again, the Lord is seeking to encourage His people who have been taken formerly out of the land and now 
Some have returned to the land, encouraging them to focus on pleasing him, serving him, uh, building the temple, that they would not focus primarily on their own comforts, their own houses, their own well-being. We've been going topically through the book, so not verse by verse, but going topically through the book and noting significant topics. And so today we are going to be going a little bit in reverse, as it were. Um, We're looking to a section of Haggai from verses 4 through 9, in particular verses 4 through 9 in particular. And the reason for that is because though this uh, theme does uh, occur later in the book and earlier in the book. Uh, here it has a lot of prevalence in the book. And so we will look to Hebrews, uh, Haggai, Haggai chapter 2 and verses number 4 through 9. Would you follow along with me as I read? But now take courage, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Take courage also, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. And all you people of the land, take courage, declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. As for the promises which I made you, when you came out of Egypt, my spirit is abiding in your midst. Do not fear. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more in a little while I am going to shake the heavens and the earth, the sea also and the dry land, I will shake all the nations, and they will come with the wealth of all nations, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house will be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. A number of themes that we've already spoken on from even this particular text, this idea of God being with the Israelites, God being with the people there in Jerusalem, I am with you. Or as verse 5 says, my spirit, it is abiding in your midst. We look to the, uh, the theme of encouragement and God seeking to firm up and to strengthen and grow the, the confidence of the people as they obeyed him. Take courage, Zerubbabel. Take courage, Joshua. Take courage, uh, all you people of the land. But I would like to look to a, a theme this day that we have noted but not uh, focused in on. And so might the Lord bless us as we look to the greatness of God in the book of Haggai. Let's bow and ask the Lord's direction even as we look to his word. Lord, we thank you that you are great above all gods, that you are great as the only one true God. Might we rejoice to lift your praise and worship up, seeing you for the great God that you are this day. Work in our hearts. Might we look to the heavens, lift our eyes 
heavenward. I pray that today, as in days past, and so also if the Lord would not return in days future, but today especially, might you lift yourself up before our eyes. We pray this because of our Savior, whom you have exalted. Amen. I typically do not do what I'm going to do in just a moment in the morning sermon. I, this is more, uh, more uh, typical to the Sunday school hour, but I would like you to invest in thinking on the text um, as I read through the text and note what recurs again and again in the text that I read. I'll be skipping through the book of Haggai. Um, make note of those, I'll make note of those verses if you're interested in recording them. But um, what phraseology, what theme is emphasized again and again as I read? Haggai chapter 1 and verse 2, Thus says the Lord of hosts, This people says, The time has not come, even the time, for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. Verse 5, Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Verse 7, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Verse 9, you look for much, but behold, it comes to little when you bring it home, I blow it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house which lies desolate while each of you runs to his own house. Or verse number 14. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shiltiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehoshaphat, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. We already read verses 4 through 9, but the last verse of Haggai, verse 23 of chapter 2, again emphasizes our theme for the morning. On that day, declares the Lord of hosts, I will take you, Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, my servant, declares the Lord, and I will make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the the Lord of hosts. Three words at least were in each of those verses that I read. Did you catch the title of the great Lord that we serve? The Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts. This is especially emphasized in verses 4 through Nine, uh, but it is uh, elsewhere throughout the book, even elsewhere throughout the book in prevalence. Of all the minor prophets, uh, Zechariah has this language, Lord of hosts, this title, the most times by far, as, as much as all the rest of the, old, of the minor prophets combined, 53 times. 
Um, Malachi actually comes in second. Haggai is third, but considering how short it is, just the two chapters, the fact that you have 14 times in these two chapters, the Lord of hosts is important, significant. It it provides for us a, a lens through which we might look to our God and see the greatness of our great God. And that is, that is the theme to which I would uh, incline us to consider. The greatness of our great God. And I like to consider it from two perspectives, because even here in Haggai, it is put forward in two alternating perspectives. First, I would like to uh, encourage and help and strengthen us in thinking that we ought to be encouraged and faithful. The Lord of hosts reigns. This, this first of two points. Be encouraged and faithful. The Lord of hosts reigns. You see this in verse number four. But now take courage, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Lord, Take courage, Joshua, the the high priest, and all you people of the land, take courage, declares the Lord, and work. Why? For I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. Uh, The Lord of hosts is making declaration, as is frequently the the phraseology throughout this uh, book here in Haggai, declares the Lord of hosts, is making declaration of his encouragement to the people of Israel. Take courage, take courage, take courage, three times. Certainly, we ought to be encouraged and faithful because the Lord of hosts reigns. The Lord of hosts is the one who is coming as king over Israel, the great high king, not not the lesser high kings put onto the throne in Jerusalem, But the great high king comes and encourages. Or verse number five. As for the promise which I made when you uh, came out of um, Egypt, my spirit is, uh, it is abiding in your midst. Do not fear. For thus says the Lord of hosts. So the, the foundation for the Israelites to be encouraged and to be faithful, to not fear. The, the, The foundation is the fact that the Lord of hosts is the one who is speaking. The Lord of the hosts is the one who is coming to them with encouragement. Verse number nine. God gives promise for the future. The latter glory of this house will be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. God is going to make the glory of the temple greater than it had been. And God is going to bring peace. Which God? What great God? The great gods of all great gods. The Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts. Be encouraged and faithful. Looking to what God requires of you, be encouraged and faithful. 
looking to the promises that our great God has given us, be encouraged and faithful. The Lord reigns. Lord cannot give promises about the future if he doesn't have control over the future. Since he has control over the future, he's able to give promises concerning the future. What does this language, Lord of hosts, mean? What does this language, Lord of hosts, mean? Well, Lord of hosts is especially used in two particular regards in the Old Testament. It's used to speak of the angelic heavenly host. And this is its primary, uh, primary meaning. meaning. Uh, even as you consider uh, our reading in, in Isaiah chapter 6 for the scripture reading this morning, holy, 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 who, who is it? The Lord God of hosts. And then the seraphim and the cherubim all about and, and, and Isaiah is contrite because he has seen the Lord of hosts. The, the one who commands the great angels deserves our uh, fear as we think on him in terms of the, the Lord of hosts. But here, the Lord of hosts isn't working in opposition to the people, but rather he's working to encourage them by his word. So that that one who has command over the great army of the angels, that one should certainly be one to encourage us and to make us, uh, help us in our faithfulness to him. He reigns. He reigns over the angels. And then uh, by extension, uh, the angelic host uh, ruling and reigning uh, both on earth according to the Lord's uh, a decree according to the Lord's uh, provision. So you see even the fallen angels um, having permission from God in terms of what they will do on earth. Okay? God reigns and he reigns over the angels. Uh, but that's not just a, a reign that's limited to the angels as they are, are doing what they are commanded to do and allowed to do on earth. But that reign extends to the heavens. We, we think of the angels as the heavenly hosts. And so then by extension, the heavenly hosts are not just the angels, but the sun, moon, and stars. The heavenly hosts. God is the Lord of hosts. This, this word host is in particular a, the word for armies. So as you think of the army of the heavens both in terms of its created inhabitants, uh, non-animated, uh, non, non, uh, uh, its created inhabitants, stars, etc., and its created inhabitants animated, the angels, the Lord is the Lord of armies. This uh, past week I heard uh, from the same source uh, two things that were uh, encouraging as I, I considered them. Uh, so the Boundary Waters has been designated a dark sky, I forget the exact language, area, um, reserve, preserve, uh, something along that, that line. And the, the point is that the Boundary Waters have so little, because of, of, of their protection, they have so little light sources around them 
that you can look up into the sky and you actually see the Milky Way. Like, you, you wouldn't talk to kids in the city and tell them, well, what do you think of the Milky Way? And, and, they, and they would respond, well, it's, it's just an amazing bit of, of stars and uh, all these const- constellations of what God has thrown into the sky. They, they would say something more along the lines of, well, uh, I like Milky Way bars. <laughs> right? But, but that's really sad. Uh, growing up 40 years ago on the farm, because it was rural and because... It, it, it was 40 years ago, uh, you could actually look up into the skies and you could see the splendor of God on display. The great God who put all of those stars into their places and named each one. That's the God who's coming to the people of Israel and seeking to encourage them, seeking to challenge them to be more faithful. But I heard also, same, same uh, source, uh, they were talking about moss. And I, I think when I think of moss, I think of you go, to the, uh, you go to the forest and you find this green fluffy stuff. I imagine that if ever I was secluded in the forest and I had to spend a night and I had time to make anything comfortable, I would be gathering moss to sleep on, right? It's all nice and fluffy and uh, it, it would be softer than anything else. Um, but they were talking about desert moss. Desert moss. And you can actually go online and you can see videos when it, in the rare occasions when it rains. In less than minutes, the desert moss which is not doing any activity at all, will change from gray and brown to green. Now, that is just the smallest of examples of the fact that the God who created us, the God who's, who's coming to us in his word and encouraging us, that God is a great God beyond our imagination. Certainly the fact that he cares to come and speak to us. That the declares the Lord. The fact that he cares to come and speak to us. The fact that he cared to come and speak to this uh, little group of people who had gone back to uh, a devastated city, Jerusalem. That should be an encouragement to us. That should foster us in more devotion to faithfulness. The Lord God of hosts reigns. Many of the uh, minor prophets uh, don't speak this way, but the first time when you have a reference to the Lord of hosts, it's a reference of encouragement. It happens in Micah chapter 4 and verse 4. I mentioned already that Zephaniah and Malachi have the most references to the usage, the the phrase Lord of hosts. Um, We're not going to look to those at all because it takes too much time. I think I have two whole pages of Lord of hosts references in Zechariah and one whole page Lord of hosts references in Malachi. So we're going to look at the other uh, uh, minor prophets, but just one for, for the moment. Micah chapter 4 and verse 4. 
God is speaking to his people and he says, each of them will sit under his vine and under his fig tree with no one to make them afraid. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. God is going to provide. Micah 4 and verse 4. There's going to be provision, vine, food, fig tree, food. And and not just meager food at that. Not just uh, scanty, mere food. But the good stuff. God is going to provide. And no one will be afraid. There, There will be no one to make them afraid. It's as if God is saying, I will squelch your enemies. God is using his dominion as the Lord of the armies of the heavens. And he's using that as the basis for his word and trusting in it. Might we rest, uh, sit under the vine and the fig tree as it were, right? God's people will one day have the comfort and the peace to be able to enjoy God and God's works. Might might we direct ourselves to that even now? Might we look to the Lord and rest in the great God that he is? So I think firstly in Haggai, we see that we ought to be encouraged and faithful. The Lord of hosts reigns. Secondly, we or some ought to be warned and fearful. The Lord of hosts reigns. Be warned and fearful. The Lord of hosts reigns. The same exact source that I heard about the desert moss and the boundary waters uh, and the the dark sky initiative or whatever the language is. The the same source, uh, very clearly not a believing source, uh, spoke about, uh, I I found out this past week, they spoke about it weeks ago, but I, I came across it this past week, spoke about the origin of water, the origin of water. And four and a half billion years ago or something, um, when the earth was created, uh, according to them, um, when the earth was created four and a half billion years ago, um, the earth needed to have lots of water. And the prevailing theory has been that some asteroids from far out in outer space uh, came, uh, were water-filled asteroids and provided the, 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 the water for the earth. You think about the, the rivers and the oceans and your own body and, and all the water that's there, and there needs to be some source of water, right? That's, that's the idea that they have. Well, they came up with this new theory because they found some asteroids not from far out in outer space, which, which was a, a, an inconvenient theory. How do the asteroids all get to Earth, and how do they get to Earth with so much water as to fill the whole Earth with as much water as it has? Um, but they found some asteroids near the sun, unusual asteroids now, but uh, they're full of hydrogen, H2O. So hydrogen, so not the water, but the hydrogen at least. 
Um, and so the, the, the thinking is that this is a much better explanation for how the, the water originated on the earth. To which I would say, in the beginning, God created. You, you see, you can, you can look at the same facts and you can see them and you can experience them in wholly different ways. Water exists because God created water. Because God made this earth to be inhabited by us. For us, as we saw in the Sunday School Hour. For those who would think of God other than he presents himself, there is a need to be warned and fearful. The Lord of hosts reigns. Even we can rightly be warned and fearful. We ought to be warned. The Lord of hosts reigns. And those who are not in a right relationship with him, this thrice holy God, they will be condemned. Let us be warned to take that proclamation to our neighbors, our friends, our family, our loved ones our co-workers. And fearful. There is the fear of uh, Al-Qaeda or some uh, group doing what they do when they make a person kneel on their knees and then use a particular kind of weapon. That's a totally different kind of fear than the great and joyous kind of fear that we ought to have, the fear of a a son or a daughter for their father, or us for our heavenly father. God is the Lord of hosts. We ought to be warned and fearful. Verses 7 and 8 speak to this. Even here in our text, verse 7, 8, chapter 2, I will shake all the nations and they will come with the wealth of all the nations and I will fill this house with glory. Now, this is a great blessing. So there is the encouragement, right? There's an encouragement to the people of Israel. But where is this great wealth coming from? The nations will bring it. So this is a warning to the nations, even as it is an encouragement to Israel. A warning. Your your riches, they are going to be used for the Lord's glory. All that you do and all that you are will be for the Lord's glory. Be warned. Be fearful. God is sovereign. He will use even sin for his glory to show his justice. And the perfection of his justice. Or verse 8. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. Again, a blessing for Israel, abundance of silver and gold. But for the nations, that silver and gold being taken from them. Be warned. Be fearful. The Lord of hosts reigns. I think this is especially emphasized in the other verses in 
in the uh, minor prophets um, that mention the Lord of hosts. Uh, so there aren't many other mentions other than Zechariah and, and Malachi and Haggai, but uh, there are a few. And so um, consider with me. I'll, I'll read for you. Uh, from Nahum, there are two occurrences of this language. Behold, I am against you, declares the Lord of hosts. Nahum chapter 2 and verse 13. I will burn up her chariots in smoke. A sword will devour your young lions. I will cut off your prey from the land and no longer will the voice of your messengers be heard. Or same exact phraseology. It's it's striking. Nahum 3 and verse 5. Behold, I am against you, declares the Lord of hosts. And I will lift up your skirts over your face and show to the nations your nakedness and to the kingdoms your disgrace. The Lord of hosts is a Lord to listen to, to be feared. He he warns because he reigns. Might we be warned and feared? Or Habakkuk 2 and verse 13. Is it not indeed uh, from the Lord of hosts that people toil for fire and nations grow weary for nothing? Habakkuk 2.13, the only time in Habakkuk when this language Lord of hosts is used. Again, a language of judgment. The nations are going to toil. But does the will of man prevail? Or does the will of God prevail? Why do the nations toil? Well, they toil to benefit themselves. They toil for their own comforts, right? It's exactly the same kind of language that's used in Haggai. You, you, you planted plants and you weren't satisfied. Why? Why? What wasn't, wasn't the purpose of planting plants? Wasn't that the purpose that the people had in planting the plants? So they could be satisfied? Exactly yes. But what was God's purpose? God's purpose was to show that they better not be focusing on their own selves. The nations grow weary. For what? For nothing. Back in 2.13. Uh, Zephaniah, two, two references in Zephaniah. And, and I think the language here is uh, so uh, telling. Therefore, as I live, declares the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. Surely Moab will be like Sodom and the sons of Ammon like Gomorrah. And you remember Sodom and Gomorrah. You remember the hail. You remember the destruction. You remember the wickedness. Moab will be like Sodom, the sons of Ammon, like Gomorrah. And then note this language. A place possessed by nettles and salt pits and a perpetual desolation. The remnant of my people will plunder them and the remainder of my nation will inherit them. This they will have in return for their pride because they have taunted and become arrogant against the people of the Lord of hosts. Who is it 
that needs to fear and be warned. Those who hold on to their pride. If if man is great and God is small or nothing, fear, be warned. But if your path isn't the path of pride, and if you see how small and insignificant people, humans are, in comparison to the greatness of who God is, then, then the warning and the fear are of a totally different kind. I thought that uh, one of the scholars said it well when they were writing of this language of the Lord of hosts. This t- title, Yahweh of hosts, Lord of hosts, deserves special attention he says, in regard to this section, because of the connotations in regard to sovereign power. Yahweh of hosts occurs 216 times in in the uh, prophets. Of these, the vast majority occur in the context of speaking. Thus says Yahweh of hosts, declares Yahweh of hosts, the word or words of Yahweh of hosts, etc. It is also interesting to observe that proportionally, more of the occurrences are found in the post-exilic prophets... So that's Haggai, the prophets after the exile. Then elsewhere, except for Isaiah and Jeremiah, in light of the fact that many of the occurrences in Isaiah and Jeremiah are found in those two prophets' oracles against the nations, it begins to appear that these references to Yahweh as having absolute power are especially prominent in those situations where the nation of Israel seems powerless before the other nations of the world. How about you? You going through your life, do you at times feel powerless, helpless, unable to change your circumstances? This this language, Lord of hosts, is both an encouragement and a warning. Might we, trusting in the Lord of hosts, the great God of great gods. Might we be encouraged and faithful. The Lord of hosts reigns. Might we not have reason to, in wrong ways, be warned and fearful because the Lord of hosts reigns. Let's bow. Lord, we... Thank you that you made us small, that we might see your greatness. We thank you that you made us as nothing, that you might be for us everything. Lord, lift yourself up among the nations, in the whole of the universe as the creator, but especially, Lord, Lift yourself up in our estimation and in our sight. We pray that you would bless us as we do this, this coming week. We trust in you and we put our hope in you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.
Let us sing in closing as we think on this great God. In the Blue Hymnals, number 18, the song we heard for the offertory, Thou the God who changes never. Number 18, in the Blue Hymnal, would you stand as we sing? Thou the God who changes never, Thou whose glory is Thine own, Yesterday, today, forever, Sits in heaven upon the throne. Thine own presence eaten, Gracing, walking in there in cool of day. Our first land is bliss forsaking, since cruel rains fills all away. Christ, eternal Son of glory, Christ, incarnate Son of God would bless you as you go, seeing more and more of the great Lord of hosts that we serve. You are dismissed.